Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer and director Carlos Sorau. Carlos is a photographer based in Los Angeles, California. He has worked with clients such as Nike, Puma, Target, MasterCard, and Reebok, to name a few. He's photographed everyone from Kevin Durant uh, to Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, there's so many athletes and interesting people, uh, really amazing portraiture and uh, directing work that he does. Uh, been a big fan of his work for years, so I was really excited to get a chance to speak with him about everything he's done over the course of his career and his uh, creative approach and how he kind of handles shoots and whatnot. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, uh, Carlos Sorau, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. How you doing today? Cool. N- nice to meet you. Alex. Thanks so much for calling me. Yeah, I'm doing good. Yeah, definitely pumped to talk to you. Um, recently interviewed one of your old assistants, Ramona, and she had nothing but good things to say about you um, and definitely been a big fan of your work for a long time, so excited to talk to you. Um, but I guess to start off, I was kind of curious like what you've been working on lately, um, what's kind of got you excited uh, these days. Well, I mean, yeah, lately, I mean, it, you know, I've always, my career's always, uh, I've done a lot of um, sports advertising stuff. So I continue doing stuff like that for like Nike, Brand Jordan, a few other companies. Um, what's nice, though, as a lot of photographers you've probably talked to in the last few years, is there's so many, for, for better or for worse, there's so many assets that are needed now. Yeah. And uh, we've kind of been doing a lot more sort of the uh, video stuff as well. So, Um, because of the fact that we're doing, and I say we, because I work with, uh, with, you know, my partner on doing video stuff, but, um, you know, we're doing a lot of video stuff that's, uh, we're trying to make it cohesive with the still campaign, but because we do a lot of sports stuff and we do a lot of pro athletes, we generally don't have the luxury of a lot of time with them. Mm -hmm. So we've, it's kind of changed a little bit of our, our approach on how we do things because, you're shooting a pro athlete he's only going to want to do something once or twice yeah. he's not going to want to take multiple takes and everything like that so it's changed the photography aspect in the sense that we've you know had to light differently to or or approach differently or time it differently and everything to be able to capture everything all at the same time so the stuff recently has been you know a lot more video work um and that stuff is kind of uh exciting because we also edit the stuff um, you know, I mean, a few times we we send it out to somebody, but the editing, just like when you edit down your portfolio or your photography, you know, it's, uh, you know, the second most important factor besides shooting it. So we're having a lot of fun kind of, you know, exploring that uh, aspect of it. Yeah, that's interesting. Is like the motion work, is that something you enjoy? Um, because I know myself, I've done a little bit of it. And I, I when I kind of like put my feet in the water, I realized that the skill set for directing and doing motion work it's a lot different than still photography obviously there's some similarities but when you first kind of started doing it um was it kind of a whole new kind of learning experience for you i think so i think you know because i mean as you would notice as photographers and everything you you come you know you're composing for still image and so i think the the sometimes the hardest thing for a photographer branching into doing motion work is to is to move the camera move the composition as well or have have things moving you know in the frame as opposed to just like here's my static shot so you can kind of tell like when 
I think our initial stuff or my initial stuff when we were playing with it, it just things felt really static because that's kind of what you're accustomed to kind of doing. So, you know, as we've gradually sort of, you know, uh, and we get a lot of inspiration from this, obviously from, you know, even from my photography, from films and, you know, other, other stuff like that. But, um, you know, gradually you start to kind of see or, or try out the things that you, you know, like moving the camera or, or how you're blocking it and everything. But, um, yeah, to your, to your main question though, it's like, yeah, we're really enjoying it because it's just, it's just kind of new for us. Mm. And I think to be honest, it's not like, you know, I haven't really been interested necessarily in doing, to be honest, like a full movie or, or even music videos or, um, you know, full on like TV commercials because really what we try to do is just make something cohesive with the photography, like just have the photography come to life. So at the moment it's been interesting because it's essentially there's this, you know, the, the stuff that we shoot is mostly for social media or small commercials or web. So it, you know, the, the format is much shorter, like 15 seconds, sometimes eight seconds, you know, maybe 30 seconds. So it's not so much of a narrative like, you know, go to the store, buy this bag of chips, yay chips, yeah. leave the store. You know, it's, it's a bit more of just like a bit free form. Um, and you know, that kind of allows a little bit more sort of experimentation, I think. Yeah. I really like, I'm looking at the one video you did with Russell Westbrook and it's like a overhead shot of him, like dunking a basketball. Um, and it's kind of like you said, it's like a little short, like 10 or 15 second clip. Um, when you first kind of started shooting these, was it something that you were kind of this adding on to your still shoots? Was it like something your clients were asking for or how did you kind of jump into that realm? I guess. Well, I mean, when we first started messing around with it was actually like almost 10 years ago, I guess we were doing a, an Esquire fashion story and it was like men in suits in the desert, you know, pretty, pretty easy thing to shoot, like good looking dudes in good, in good clothes in an awesome environment. So, um, Monica May, who's also a photographer and my partner, um, she, she, you know, we were discussing and she was like, Hey, why don't I pop out with you and we'll just film some super eight. Okay, fine. So, you know, the lighting, the lighting was great. You know, it's all natural light, filmed some stuff, you know, got it back, processed it. No one asked us to do it, you know, uh, threw together an edit, like kind of fumbled through the editing software because we've never really used it yeah. and put together something, sent it to the magazine. This is around the time, the same year, I think, or the year after the iPod, oh, sorry, the iPad came out. And so I think at that time, all these magazines were looking for a way to expand, you know, their their viewership, I guess. Mm. So, um, the magazine was like, Oh, this is so cool. Yeah. We'll put it in a, you know, whatever. And so there was no, there was no fee. There was no money attached. It was just basically a labor of love. Yeah. It was a fun little thing to do. So we started kind of doing that with some of the editorial stuff just because, you know, no one's paying you. So mm. no one can really say or give you direction of what they want to do. And in the course of doing those things, you know, occasionally like the editorial magazines would be like, oh yeah, can you do this behind the scenes video? You know, like one of those things where it's like the guys or the, you know, the, the talents like in the moho and they're like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm here for this magazine. And we're like, nah, we don't, you know, that's not really our thing. We, you know, that doesn't really benefit us. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're not there just to kind of shoot that type of content. We're only, you know, we only want to shoot because you're not paying us what we want to shoot and we want to produce. So we kind of continued with that. And, you know, and occasionally on these, advertising shoots we would show up with video camera and i would start to light it with hot lights or other ways to kind of shoot at the same time and 
luckily, you know, the clients we had didn't really make a fuss about it, but there was no, there was no output for it. There was, there was no need for the footage. So we just kind of continued to toy along with that until finally someone saw, you know, the stuff we're doing for editorial and said, Hey, can you do this little, let's say Nike video? So, you know, we did one and then another one led to another one led to another one. Now we're in a lucky position where, um, you know, one, because all these clients need these type of things, Mm. um, that they're approaching us and they're a lot of times they're approaching us with just us to come up with the creative Mm. for it. So we can kind of dictate how the run the show would work. So we all get the assets at the same time. Wow. Yeah. It's really smart, man. Um, and I guess to go back like a little bit, I was kind of curious, like where you grew up and like how you kind of got into photography initially. Yeah. So I grew up in Miami nice. and, uh, I'm pretty much, I mean, I, you know, I was liked, you know, I, I mean, I've come from that era where star Wars is a big thing for me, you know? So it's like when that movie came out, I immediately, you know, I started, I would get all the, you know, uh, science fiction magazines and like the monster makeup magazines and, you know, and just kind of like, you know, really, really into that separate world. And, um, so I remember even like my father was, you know, he had, he, you know, he wasn't in the arts, but, you know, he always instilled like that type of, um, you know, interest in me. And so I remember he came home one day with a super eight camera and he showed me how to do stop start animation. So I would do a little stop start animation with like, clay models and Legos and whatnot. And, um, kind of, you know, continue to always do that stuff, had an interest in photography as well. And, um, you know, then in my high school years, I got into skateboarding and, you know, skateboarding, especially at, in that time in, in Miami, it was a very small group of us. So I don't think it was like in California where, you know, you're kind of the cool guy. If you were a skater, yeah. there was like only maybe like four of us. And, you know, in Miami at the time was pretty much like, low rider cars and bass. And, you know, that was my high school, you know, it was a very kind of, yeah. uh, you know, Caribbean Latin culture. So I think because of that, you sort of gravitated toward people, you know, people kind of like, you know, the sort of the misfits, I guess. Yeah. And those people generally kind of made their own things, made their own zines, you know, their, did the photography, whatever. So I kind of would document the local skate scene, you know, trying to emulate those like eighties, skate videos like Powell Peralta bones brigade type thing where we'd go film the different ramps and different spots. And then, you know, I would use like two VHS machines and just like press pause, record, pause, record, and just kind of rudimentary edit stuff together yeah. all at the same time doing like photography and printing the shots. Like, you know, my parents' bathroom with a Sears darkroom set, you know? Nice. So kind of just sort of, that's kind of how I get my start. And then, you know, once I got out of, uh, you know, high school, you know, it was just an interest I wanted to continue. And I think at the time I shied away from doing emotion because at that time it just wasn't, it wasn't easily do it yourself. Yeah. I think, you know, at least that, that was my interpretation. It was just, you know, you, it was always something where you had to be an apprentice or you had to go through these things, you know, and I think to be honest at that age or at that time, it was, it was a little bit like that in photography too. Cause I think the generation before me was like, Oh, you got to pay your dues and like, yep. you know, work as an assistant for years and you got to do this and you got to do that. And I mean, I don't think that's the case now. Hell I think no. just then it was just, that was very instilled. Yeah. And, um, so the path between those two, because there's no way that, you know, I could afford any of the, the actual equipment to do any motion. So I just kind of gravitated more towards photography because it mm. was something that you could easily Except, do yourself. Yeah, so, for sure. 
that's that's kind of started doing that. Nice. And was there kind of like a point when you kind of thought you might want to do this as a career? Like obviously you say you're shooting your friends skating and stuff like that. Um, when did, did you end up like uh, studying photography at all, or how do you kind of get your foot in the business? I guess. Well, funny enough, I mean, so at that time, again, you know, we're, we're sort of talking at a time where you didn't have Instagram or even websites to kind of, yeah. you know, sort of reference the world like you have now. So, you know, I just, you know, at that age, at like 17 or 18, I just wanted to do photography. So I don't care what it was. Like, oh, how, are we gonna, how can I make money shooting photos? So I even looked into, you know, there was an, a, a sort of an internship at the Miami Dade Corners office. Interesting. And, you know, something about it, yeah, it was, it was cool. So I went, you know, I went, I signed up for the sort of the, the kind of like the, the meeting or whatever. And I went and I, I watched them do an autopsy and I'm like, okay, this is cool, whatever. And, um, you know, something about it was interesting because it was like, oh yeah, you get to like do the stuff like, um, you know, shoot high speed photography to see the trajectory of bullets. And, wow. you know, it was more like solving, solving the crime, solving the problem and everything. And so, but I was also thinking, you know, as I watched the coroner do his thing, you know, the guy's like talking and he's like eating a sandwich or whatever. I mean, this is after the thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm not sure if I want to be that desensitized, Yeah. you know, where I'm just like, oh yeah, I think I got his head blown off. Oh, whatever. I'm going to have a turkey sandwich. You know? so, <laughs> so I was like a little bit like, like, hmm, is that the way, I, you know, because it was one of those internships where you were guaranteed a job immediately after you're done. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, that's cool. But at the time, you know, I was also starting to shoot like, Oh, my, my girlfriend and my girlfriend's friends. And Hey, let's do, let's do a bikini shoot. <laughs> you know, and so I was like, Hmm, yeah. corpses or bikinis. Or bikinis. <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe I'll go cute. So, um, so I, I, I took the least noble path, Yeah. but, um, yeah, but you know, so that's kind of like where I, you know, I started shifting in that direction, uh, where, where I definitely wanted to do it. I just didn't know necessarily how to do it. So, you know, I, like a lot of people at that time, I would start like shooting bands or, you know, this, this, this guy needs a headshot or whatever. But what I, what really kind of got me, you know, I, you know, what's also actually, I, you know, I'll jump back for a second. One thing that was interesting, I think that I find with certain friends of mine, like Ramona or whoever, is that I always, had a body of work to show mm. because that was kind of the point. Yeah. Like I feel like sometimes I'm, I'll meet assistants where they, they're like, Oh yeah, I'm getting my book together, but you know, I'm just doing it, but you know, it hasn't got together. And I'm like, that's weird because even when the book was complete crap, yeah. I had a body of work together in a box or whatever. So, um, so there's never been a time without one. And so when I started kind of putting together a style of work, I, you know, went to what would be considered, uh, I don't know what would be the this equivalent this day and age. Like, um, like where do you live right now? I live in Boston. In Boston, okay. So, is there like a is there like um a, a weekly newspaper like kind of the arts entertainment newspaper like yeah, the, yeah. like equivalent of like the Village Voice? Okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I, I, you know, in Miami there was something called the New Times, which um, which I think they're still around and everything, but it's like your weekly newspaper that you know the arts and kind of alternative paper and yeah. so i approached i approached the guy there in the art director and said hey you know uh um you know i'm interested in doing photography and at the time this guy was was young too he was like a a new guy who got transferred to miami to be their art director and the guy is actually still working as an awesome illustrator this guy brian stoffer nice. and so he was just new in miami and uh you know they 
there was a photographer already working there who was like kind of old school newspaper, you know, 35 millimeter, 35 millimeter lens, everything kind of shot like sort of touched angled, you know, that type of thing, Mm -hmm. you know, great, great stuff, but it was just sort of limited. It just felt very newspaper. So this art director, you know, he was like working Photoshop version two or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think he saw me as like, Oh, we can really like, he called me up. Like actually when I first met him, it's funny enough, I don't know if he like went out for a couple drinks or anything like that, but he called me up that night. He's like, hey, man, I think we do some cool stuff together. I mean, I think, you know, we can really bounce some ideas off each other. And I was like, okay. So, <laughs> you must so have been pumped. He, uh, yeah, I was like, all right, dude. And so, you know, he, because he was the type of guy doing a lot of, um, you know, Photoshop illustration at the sort of the dawn of that, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of really messing around with manipulation. And not everything was, was that way, but we're talking, this is early 90s, so there was a lot of, you know, which is funny, you're seeing that 20 year cycle now and kind of seeing the similar things, but you know, you would, you would print with these rough borders or you would like, you know, rub some Vaseline over the lens and do some shit like that or, you know, whatever. So anyway, I would do, I would do stuff with him and, and the, you know, the stories in that alternative paper were very much like, go shoot this family who got flooded in the Everglades or go shoot this, you know, uh, local politician who's up on charges of sexual harassment or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where it's like, I would get the call on Monday. Hey man, here's the shoot. Uh, you know, here's the information, go set it up. So, you know, I would call and organize whatever it is to go do by Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. I would go shoot it, mm. rush back home, put it in my tanks, process it, print all night. And then Friday morning at 8am, he's like calling me like, Hey man, where's the stuff? And I'd have to, you know, get up and drive all the way down downtown and drop the stuff off and then repeat the same cycle the next week. So two things kind of came of that. One was the, like, it was nice to sort of learn how to, how to collaborate with, mm-hmm. you know, an art director, but also it taught me how to be fast, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, kind of helped, especially with subjects that were unwilling. Like, for instance, a guy who's up for sexual harassment charges doesn't necessarily want to have his photo taken. Yeah. So you sort of yeah. have to kind of keep it like get your get your shot and then get out, you know, that type of thing. Mm. That's interesting. And uh, early on, were you even like paying attention? Like, were you kind of like studying photography, kind of looking at like some of the um, like uh, famous photographers from the past or anything like that? Or are you just kind of doing your own thing and just kind of learning this craft as you went? Well, I mean, I didn't I didn't really have any. And, you know, I had some friends who were photographers as well, but, but, but as far as like famous photographers, I was, uh, really inspired by, um, Anton Corbin. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the reasons that I really liked his stuff is when you see his early stuff and maybe it's the same now when he does stuff, but, um, he was a guy with like a single Hasselblad, two lenses, no assistants who would get hired to go shoot for kind of the same. I mean, I'm not putting him in myself in, in his, uh, in his league, but, you know, he was shooting for NME, which was the New Music Exchange magazine out of, you know, London. And mm-hmm. so they would have those press junket things where go shoot, you know, uh, New Order in the hotel room. You have 10 minutes or go shoot, you know, whatever. Uh, Henry Rollins, he's on tour. He's in a hotel. So looking looking back at the photos now, you could tell that there's no assistant. He's just essentially using composition and light that he finds there. I mean, some of the shots you could tell, like he's got this photo of like Glenn Danzing from like, you know, the misfits. Right. So yeah. like arguably like kind of like, Oh, you know, like death metal rocker, yeah. but you could tell behind him, there's tiny little pattern of flowered wallpaper. 
but you kind of don't see it because it goes away. So you immediately, I immediately go, oh, that was shot in some like lame, you know, Holiday Inn or whatever, yeah. wherever he was staying, but he still makes it look cool. Yeah. So I really liked his work and, uh, you know, and at the time there was also like Dan Winters, awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would get scientific magazines where he was shooting for like Discover Magazine and uh, just amazing, amazing stuff like that. Um, you know, and then I would see like, you know, being in Miami, you you know, that was around the time where there was a lot of German catalog fashion stuff happening in Miami, Yeah. um, where everybody was shooting down there. And so funny enough, like when I'd see those motorhomes, I'd be like, oh man, I, I don't know. How did they get, I would, I'm never like, how am I ever going to shoot with a motorhome? Like what's that going to be, you know? So I just didn't really imagine sort of like where things would go. It was just more like okay, cool. I'm getting paid to do these, these portraits. But, um, yeah. So I kind of like looked at those guys as sort of inspiration. Yeah. Cause was there like a goal, was there like a goal for you? Cause I like look at all the work you do now, like you do this amazing, like, um, all the stuff with different professional athletes and you do some like cool, like, I guess like fashion type work. Um, was that kind of always your goal all along or did it kind of form as you kind of went, you think? I think it formed as I went because I didn't really have anybody else, you know, like, maybe things would be different if I was like in New York or in LA, let's say at the time, or, or, um, you know, if I had actually gone, like I, I almost went to school at art center, which would have been great. It just didn't have the money to go at the time. Um, but I kind of, you know, sometimes I regret, Oh, I've been nice to have peers to bounce ideas off of, or kind of see what was out there because, you know, at at that time you really had to dig for it. You know, like I would drive down to South Miami where, the, you know, art bookstore was, and I would kind of comb through things and comb through photo books. And, you know, and it was a little bit, you know, not to say like back in Marjorie, but like it was a little <laughs> bit more difficult to sort of sure. research or, or sort of get this material. Um, but yeah, I think what I did was, you know, I started with kind of what I knew with portraits and then someone saw the portraits I took and said, Hey, can you do this little fashion thing? It's, it's, it's really portraits, but we're going to style them. It's like, okay. Mm. And then, um, from there, you know, like I would continue to sort of, uh, approach, you know, magazines with a portfolio of work and, Oh, actually I'm leaving something out. What was interesting was, um, after I left Miami and I came to Los Angeles, my intention was to go to art center, but like I said, I didn't have the money to go. So I just started taking my book around. So I had this body of work made up of portraits of things I, or, or shots I've done in Miami. Yeah. So I, I went to what I knew and I went to the local weekly newspapers here in LA. And so at the time there was three, there was the LA weekly, which is still around. Then there was two others like the LA village view, which was primarily out of like Westwood, like kind of by the UCLA area mm. and, um, daily reader. So anyway, I approached them all. And, um, the difference was, was like where the stories in, in Miami might be family gets flooded out of their Everglades the stories in LA were more like Lawrence Fishburne, the actor is directing a play in town with heavy D and the boys. Uh, once you go shoot a portrait of him. Nice. So suddenly I was kind of thrown into like kind of the Anton Corbin world where I would have to go to like these press junkets with these actors and directors and go shoot them for five minutes, you know, in their hotel, like two rolls of film, go home, process it, print it and try to make something out of nothing. So um, I, I continued to do that for a little bit and uh, making no money doing that because it was newspaper. So, yeah. But um, I was able to build a portfolio. And so when I started taking a portfolio around to like the New York magazines and everything, people were like, wow, you shot 
you know, Ben Kingsley and you shot Lawrence Fishburne. So there is a little, I mean, this is like Captain Obvious saying this, but there is something to be said if you have a good photo of, you know, a famous actor versus just a good photo of random person. People are always going to, especially in that industry, you're going to go, oh, this is a better photo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, yeah. And I get it now. I mean, it's like, you know, there's some amazing, amazing sports photographers who have like an amazing shot of like some cool model in the air, like Duncan. Hmm. And I know what it is. The difference is I have that shot, but I have it with LeBron. So people are going to go, okay, that's, that's a better shot because they had to deal with LeBron. I mean, you know, it's the same thing with fashion or celebrity or anything like that. So, yeah, for sure. And was like moving to LA, was that like, did you feel like that was like a necessity to kind of like push your photography career to the next level or what kind of prompted you to move from Miami to LA? Well, I think what it was, was, you know, like I said, I was going to go to school here and then, you know, I had all the sort of, you know, I had got accepted advanced placement, you know, wrote some really cocky letter, like, Oh, you know, and, uh, and was, it was accepted. But the thing is, I just, it was, you know, just when I sort of put the, put the numbers together, I was like, I can't really afford this. So, but you know, the steps are already sort of in place to kind of move out there. So, you know, with a couple of friends, so we came out here and, you know, first couple of years, like anybody starting out and everything kind of, kind of struggled with just like shooting little things here and there. So that was kind of the, you know, the reason, I mean, also at the time between Miami, sorry, between LA and New York, I mean, LA was at that time less expensive Mm -hmm. to, you know, cost a living. For sure. And like, what do you, I'm always curious about like people's mindsets. Like when you, when you were like young starting out, like, were you like a really competitive person? Like, do you kind of always just have like that confidence in yourself? Like you, you were going to make it. Um, cause like, you know, when you first start out and you're contacting these magazines or these ad agencies, they don't know who you are. They don't care about your work. Um, and it's like, it's a lot of ups and downs, I guess. Like, what do you remember about your mindset early on? Did you always just kind of have the confidence in yourself? Like I said, well, that's a, that's a good question. Cause I think, uh, you know, like I can look back then and go, yeah, I mean, like I, I could never, for instance, be an actor because I would be so like when I do castings and everything and, you know, like I'm always try to be very friendly and nicer, but you know, you'll, you'll never work with the client. They'll be like, Oh, that person's so like this or that. And they're talking about that person, their parents, their whatever, I would be like mortified, you know, but in photography, you're talking about the work. Mm -hmm. So it's, you're a little bit sort of removed from it, I guess, in a way. Um, it's still part of you and everything, but I think, yeah, I think competitive wise, I, I always sort of just assumed that, you know, I could do it or I could figure out how to do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, in a sort of, you know, that, that I think where I have the confidence is a lot of times, you know, someone will come to me and, and say, Hey, we got this idea. And I'll be like, yeah, that sounds great. Whatever. And I've got the phone. I'll be like, shit, how do I do that? But that's kind of the fun part is to figure it out, you know? But, um, yeah, back then I think there was a little bit of like, you know, no one's going to tell me no, if they say no, I'm just going to come back Mm-hmm. with something better yeah. you know and and i think you know i don't know if that's retained because i think as i get older i'm just like you know uh maybe you know maybe also because i think you know it could be that there is a lot more photographers in the world yeah uh there's a lot more ways to see the work and everything for for better or for worse i mean in a lot of ways it's for, for better um you know there's not the gatekeepers but you probably heard that saying like in 
in the film industry and the music industry, it's like the good thing is there's no gatekeepers. The bad thing is there's no gatekeepers. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's a bit of that, but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, at the time I was like, yeah, I could do this. So. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and like you're saying, like you're mentioning how like you'll, you'll be having a conversation with someone and they got this idea and you get off the phone and then it's just like, Oh, how do I how do I figure figure this out? Um, like even at this point in your career, with all these like big productions you're doing, is it s- still every time this kind of a challenge, just trying to figure out how you're gonna like navigate this production, kind of uh, make your clients like vision a reality? I think you know I think so, and I think I think for me that is the that's what kept it interesting. I, I feel that if if I take a di- different path, let's say, and just been like a beauty photographer, and I did the same lighting you know, arguably working with like beautiful models and whatever, I'm, it might be boring to me. Like, you know, someone else I'm sure could bring something else, like whether like, but you know, the, like maybe, you know, they'd have interest in like the styling or the makeup or whatever. But with me, I think it's the challenge. It's the Rubik's cube, you know, puzzle when you get, when you get the project. Yeah. And, um, and I think to be honest, you know, it's like knock on wood is that that's kind of, allowed me to have a bit of longevity and actually continue to sort of like slowly grow, you know, is that, um, like for instance, like, you know, at this age, I'm not going to be the guy they hire to shoot like, you know, an urban outfitters catalog of 20 year old girls and guys jumping on a bed, you know, like, because I'm not that age and I'm not doing that. So I've kind of fallen into this, you know, thing where I get hired to do, somewhat complex stuff, whether it be complex because of, um, you know, the actual concept is complex or it's complex because the person they're contending with is only going to give you 30 minutes to get all these things. So, you know, there's there's a lot of production, you know, involved in it. And um, so sometimes I wish like, oh, why didn't I take the path of just like, you know, snapshot flash on camera person. I could just show up and they're, they're you know, and, yeah. but, uh, you know, because then I look around and see like 30, 18 K lights and I'm like, ah, oh, you know, but, uh, yeah, but there is, you know, that type of thing. I like to solve the problem. Yeah. So. Cause I was looking at, there's this video on YouTube. You did a shoot with like Kobe Bryant and I think a couple other basketball players and you guys, it, it looks like you rented out a gigantic, like, uh, it must've been like a, like a conference area, like in a hotel or something. And you guys built this like enormous set, which was like it was like Kobe Bryant. You built a basketball floor in this convention area with like these walls with like I think it was like quasars and stuff. And it was just really impressive to see the the amount of people and production that went into these things. Like maybe you could talk about like what's the evolution of like getting to that point? Because obviously you say you start ta- shooting for newspapers, some editorial, but then you kind of get to this like you're shooting for Nike or whatever. And there's like, there's been hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on these gigantic productions. How do you kind of get into those bigger productions? What's kind of the transition, I guess. Well, I can't speak for how somebody does it now, but at the time you're right. Like I started with no assistance and no lights and then got a little tiny budget. Oh, I can hire an assistant. Then it's like, Hey, let's try one light. And so we'd have a beauty dish on a, on a pro photo pack or whatever. Yeah. And so I think what it was is, I, I always try to approach it, especially when I was starting out, and even now, like to try to do shoots that would um, either either would be good for my portfolio. I mean, it, like like anything, you would know this. It's like mm-hmm. you know, you either do it because it's paying really well, yep. 
or it's or it's interesting it's interesting problem to solve or it's fun or it's good for your portfolio. So I try to you know, look at every project, especially back then where I was like, oh, go shoot a restaurant person or yeah. go shoot something something that wouldn't necessarily lend lend itself into my book. I'd be like, well, how did I? what can I do to bring something new to this? Like what piece of equipment can I rent mm-hmm. or what can I borrow or beg and, you know, whatever to get this done. So I think with, with sort of getting to that point where I was able to kind of, they would trust me to do these bigger jobs is always trying to the job before trying to, you know, sort of turn a corner, mm-hmm. you know, like, like they might've asked for this, but I'm going to give them this too and see what they say. So, um, and we still do that now. I mean, now it's more of like, you know, uh, we'll, we'll do a whole shoot, but then I might put together like a treatment with video and this and that, like after the shoot and say, Hey, we did this, but what if we did it like this? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the clients, of course, I mean, a lot of clients that are, you know, that are good art directors, it's like, they really like that collaborative thing. I, I, you know, it got to the point in my career where it went from someone just like, Oh, you can do the job, you know, uh, like you're a photographer, you can shoot this thing to like, we're looking for this particular guy. What can you, what can you bring to it? What, you know, what is your idea for this? So I saw that kind of turning point, like halfway through this career where it's like, Oh, they're, they're really wanting my opinion. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times, you know, as you know, if you talk to these clients, you're kind of like the first step is kind of regurgitate what they just told you, yeah. you know, okay, on the phone, whatever. And then you, you sit back and you go, okay, here's a bunch of ideas that could take it to this mm-hmm. type of, uh, you know, thing. But yeah, so, you know, it's just basically always just sort of trying to, to, you know, add a little bit to each job and just the same thing with the video stuff. It's like, as I was talking about before, no one was asking for us to do it. Yeah. We just started doing it to the point where they're like, Oh, these guys can do it. Yeah. You know? So, so we, we did plenty of, plenty of free ones and plenty of ones where we just did our own dime, our own thing. And now, you know, the, the only, the only sort of hiccup on that is when someone, when you've done these things for a certain cost yep. and then you realize, wow, I'm really undercharging for this. Yep. It's a bit hard to go back on the next job when they say, Oh, you, you gave you it, did it like this. Yeah, so. for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, they, they, they never go up. <laughs> they, they either go, yeah. they either go down or they stay the same. <laughs> Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. It's really amazing how you're talking about like at a certain point, like people started asking for your input, and they're really coming to you for your vision. And I think like the hardest thing as a photographer is really trying to like find your vision, like find your like a creative approach, and like looking at your work. When I when I when I see a photo from you, like I can tell you shot it. Um, did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your voice and like who you are as a photographer? Um, is, is this something that kind of evolves over time you think? Well, that's super nice of you to say, cause it, I mean, and that's interesting cause I, as my own perspective of the stuff that I shoot, I sometimes feel I'm all over the place and it's, it's not because I, I'm trying to be, I, it, well, I guess I put it this way. Like, again, I'm not putting myself in the class of these like film directors, but like, you know, like a Spielberg or, or Stanley Kubrick, like they can do a movie about little aliens yep. or they could do a serious black and white movie about the Holocaust yep. and then do dinosaurs next and whatever. But each one of those movies has a specific, like you could tell, let's say maybe by the pacing that it's one of those director's films, but they tend to change the aesthetic or tweak the aesthetic here or there, depending on the story they're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the look of ET doesn't look like Schindler's list. And so I kind of like that approach. 
And it's probably because I've, I've sort of gone through a few, you know, waves in my own career. Like, you know, when I started, I was kind of doing the Anton Corbin thing, black and white, high contrast, whatever, using light and shadow. And then oh, I started doing color. Oh, and then we're doing this. And then we're doing. So sometimes, for instance, I'll get a project where someone asks me to do, oh, can you do, you know, or, or I'll suggest let's do this gritty black and white mm-hmm. because I'll be inspired from something I did, you know, 15, 20 years ago or whatever. Um, but then I'll be inspired by something else I see and I'll be like, let's, let's try this. And I try to, you know, obviously put my own spin on it and maybe, maybe just happens naturally because, you know, I don't know another way to shoot, Mm -hmm. but, um, but I try not to like, I'm not saying like every job I I don't want to repeat myself, you know, and I'm going out of the way to not do that. But I, I think, you know, I, I don't know where my career would be if, for instance, if like I see a lot of photographers now and they're amazing, beautiful stuff and they have a very specific point of view. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for some clients, that's very easy to look at and go, that's, that's beautiful. That's the point of view we want for this project. And that's the person to get. And I kind of feel that, uh, like I can emulate a few different things or I can, you know, I, I, I just have a few other interests besides a single point of view. And I think that's kind of because the subjects have varied from sports to portrait to fashion. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, but if you, but if you say like that, you kind of see similarities and that's, that makes you feel good. <laughs> I think, I think it's just like, you have like an overall tone to like a lot of your photos, especially like the black and white stuff and just the way that you like uh, the coloring and things like that. Uh, I could definitely sticks out. Um, and you know, like you see like a lot of trends coming in and out of like photography is like photo trends, something like you think you have to pay attention to? Um, is it something you have to like, uh, utilize to stay relevant within like editorial and commercial work? Um, cause like looking at some of your work, uh, it looks like you do a little bit of the color gel stuff sometimes, which I've noticed has gotten pretty popular over like the last couple years again, um, is like trends and things like that. You think you, you need to utilize to stay relevant or what's kind of your perspective you think? I think so. I think, you know, for instance, I, I, you know, I'm, I think the being freelance, the fear in the back of your head is, is, is like, you know, this is your last job. They're going to find me out or, or like, or, or, you know, you'll just be non-relevant your, your work. And I, you know, and as, you know, let's say someone starting like in the late nineties, you would see those guys that maybe started in the like early nineties or in the eighties. And they're like, you'd be like, Oh, those guys are old school. They're just shooting like with a softbox and everything looks sort of like a, you know, Andy Leibovitz portrait from Rolling Stone. It's all clean. It's too clean, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, now I'm at the threat of being that person, right? So so I think, you know, you do have to look at trends and see what's going on within within reason. I mean, it's like, you know, again, I, I realize I'm not, like, the, to use the analogy before, like, I'm not the person that, that they're going to hire to shoot, like, the young, you yeah. know, uh, lifestyle shoot. You yeah. know? So that those are more... I think where you'd see a lot of photographers that, you know, that rose during Instagram and stuff, you know, because it's like that's the type of stuff you see. It's a lot of sort of like youthfulness and, you know, and, and youth cells. Yeah. So I'm not the geezer they're going to hire to do that. But, you know, when it's a, uh, when it's a project that's, um, you know, like I said, a little more complicated or whatever, they, they might turn to me. And so what, what I try to do is just kind of see whether it be films or, I don't know, architecture or, or art that's out and everything, try to get inspiration from that. Yep. And then as far as photography, you know, it's like, you can kind of see 
like for instance, certain clients will fall into a certain thing. It's like, you know, like, you know, for instance, you'll see, and I, I kind of feel like we just sort of fell into it naturally, but I was talking about before, like the, the, you know, where the video where the, sorry, where the, the motion media goes into yeah. is like Instagram. And so, you know, I can imagine that a 14 year old kid has very little patience to watch like a three minute slow motion movie of something going on. Mm-hmm. They're just like swipe, swipe, swipe. Yeah. So it's kind of affected a little bit how we might approach something in the editing or even in the shooting. Cause like, you know, and I'm sure this probably drives you nuts too, as an artist, it's like, you know, the fact that no one could just turn their phone sideways to watch something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Drives us crazy, you know, yeah. because it's like, dude, you know, but uh, you know, we have to shoot, things to work into multiple assets it's it's a funny it's a funny world now because it's like the these big companies like a nike or an adidas or whatever uh have to follow whatever like instagram or twitter is doing yeah so you you kind of go okay well this one's got to be an extreme vertical and which kind of sucks like for instance if your concept is this really wide you know, expanse and suddenly you're just cropping into a face yep. because that's your crop. So it, it tends to make us like, if we know we're doing that to shoot things in a very sort of um, one point perspective ratio, like a lot of things centered. So that way we can decide where to move it in, in the editing to fit all those formats. So sometimes things that are a hindrance actually become somewhat of a style mm-hmm. funny enough. So yeah, it's always. But, um, I think it's just interesting to yeah. see how people utilize it. Like, like I was saying before, like the colored gel stuff, I noticed a lot, and uh, you did a little bit. But like one that kind of stuck out in my mind is you shot Russell Westbrook, like I said, and it was how you kind of approach it. It looked like it was like a black and white photo, pretty much, or you like desaturated it. But then there's like these little pops of like like uh, purple and color, like on his face and on the ball. Um, what was kind of your approach with that photo, you think? Yeah, I think, you know, exactly what we said. It was like, you know, the idea was just to, to infuse a little bit of of that season's color trend on his shoe. Yeah. So how do we do that but still get these really beautiful, uh, you know, creamy black and white images and everything? So mostly when someone asks, like, you know, a lot of times when someone asks me to go black and white, I'm like, yes. Yeah. But then inevitably somebody in marketing goes, well, you know, we really can't go full black and white, so we're going to have to sort of, <laughs> you know, just be And then, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like it happens all the time. Like someone gets scared on the back end that, yeah. like, black, like, something they read in a book, black and white is not good for the consumer. But in this case, it was actually let's just own it and then add a little bit of that pop just to kind of bring it back. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, like the, the gel stuff, it's like, it's fun to do. It's, it's fun to play with colors, um, like that. But, you know, I, I see a lot of photographers, amazing stuff, but their, their portfolio is, is all that, yeah. you know what I mean? It's all, it's all one thing. And that's, that's cool. But I think I would get, I would start to get bored with myself if, if I was only sort of doing that one thing. It's, you know, I, I think that, and again, it w- might work against me because maybe, uh, an art director can't pinpoint, that's my thing or it might work for me because they know I'm a bit more versatile maybe. Yeah. Are you like someone, are you like constantly like testing and just trying different like lighting setups? Like even when you're not doing a commercial shoot or you're just constantly trying to like try different set setups and different lighting and things like that. Like definitely. I mean, the thing is, you know, I, I mean, you know, 
for better or for worse, I, I get enough projects. I'm busy enough that that it, it's hard to find the time to yeah. just go and test something my own. Yeah. But I get enough projects that I can kind of work that into the actual job and mm-hmm. and it's someone else's dime paying for it. I mean, I don't get me wrong, like going, it's not like I'm taking advantage of anything like that, but yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, I might approach, you know, the project with like, okay, this is, this is the concept, but what if we, what if we had this type of thing on it? And mm-hmm. you know, and if they bite, I'm like, cool, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get on that. And then I got the phone. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to do that? So, um, there, there's where I kind of, I'm, I'm looking at to have some clients that, have deep pockets or, or have bigger budgets than others. Yep. And, um, but to be honest, sometimes you have a client that has very little money, uh, but they have a cool idea. Yeah. And the, the way that works great is when you have a very go with the flow client that says, right. Oh, I want this. And you say, well, you can't, we can't afford this, but what if we did this instead and we approach it this way? Mm. And they're like, yeah, okay, let's do that. And so, so there's been some really fun projects that have been minuscule budgets, but they've been some of my favorite projects because you have to figure out things and be resourceful. So, um, but I mean, still to this day, like I think it's part of me that, um, like I don't hire when we do, when we do our video stuff or when I do my lighting, you know, I'm still extremely involved. Like I, I've never been one to be like, you know, like there's a lot of photographers I think that are more personality. Like I can't imagine, like I don't really consider myself like a personality photographer. Like I'm a bit more like, photo nerd like beep bop beep you yeah. know so i'm not you know like i always hear stories about these fashion photographers who have their lighting person and their set person and their art director their own art directors that you know they just kind of go i want to feel you know effervescent and i want you know and they just kind of <laughs> give a mood and yeah. and they're sort of the personality who talks to i mean i've heard some people don't even push the trigger they just direct someone to push the trigger because they're the personality they're the director on set yeah and i think part of me still, or not, I don't think, I know that it's still important for me to know every aspect of, of the shoot. You know, it, it, like I, I'm very much involved with the lighting, um, where someone else puts in the order, but I'm the one going, let's put this 18K here. Let's put this there. Let's try Let's put it, you know, and I'm, I'm sort of dictating. I'm essentially the de facto DP on the set. Yeah. And, um, and then I have, you know, my, my partner, Monica, when we do video, she's a cinematographer. Got so it. she'll, she'll be composing the video you know, the motion stuff, but I'll be shooting the stills and directing at the same time. Hmm. But, um, I mean, even when it's involved with like sets, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, again, for better or for worse, I get maybe, and you probably got this with Ramona as well, because Ramona has a similar thing. Like she really gets involved with all aspects. Yeah. And so with sets, I'm designing the sets. And then I, you know, give that to, you know, I, I think it comes from watching too many, like, you know, sort of, uh, special features on DVDs when they, when they make like a massive movie where like, it just seems like so much fun. It goes back to when I was a kid, like, yeah. Oh, they're making the models for star Wars and these guys are doing this. And then the other guy's going out there and he's like recording sounds of bears for the Wookiee. And yeah. you know, it's like those aspects of, of production are fun for me. So I still get probably too involved in them yeah it's I'm, like, I'm probably a producer's nightmare <laughs> <laughs> you have it's like you have the vision and then it's your responsibility to like facilitate that vision and then this kind of like delegate to your team um because i would imagine like we were talking before like once you get into these bigger productions with nike 
it, you can look at these videos on YouTube. I'll, I'll link it and people go check it out. The productions that you do, it's you truly need an entire team to make these things happen. Like you couldn't do it on your own. Oh yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's like, yeah, I mean, I have, I've been able to compile a great team and work with great collaborators. So it's yeah. not, it not just doesn't fall on my, on my shoulders, but I think the initial aspects of things like, you know, I, I don't just let it like sometimes again, back to like, I wish it was a snapshot kind of flash on camera photographer. Yeah. I, I can't just show up the day of the shoot and be like, what are we doing? Oh, cool. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, I, I, I'm involved and, and to the point where when it's become sort of this busy and there's so many, so many assets now involved with like, the, you know, the motion assets and the, and the behind the scenes assets and then the, the Instagram stories assets and everything. Yep. It's not allowing us to have a lot of breaks. Mm-hmm. It's actually kind of, you know, a little bit more difficult this moment because, you know, back in the, back in the day, yep. you know, you would, uh, you'd get a project, you would speak to an art director and they could say, okay, you got the gig, you'd shoot the thing. You might work a little bit with like some post stuff with them that's it. You move on to the next thing. Now something happened around the time of the, the recession in 2009, mm-hmm. where I think a lot of advertising agencies that I was working for and, and art buyers and everything realized, huh, we should be having the photographers work as hard as the directors we hire. Because up to that point, I wasn't really asked to do any, any treatments, any photo treatments. It was pretty much just like, this is what we're doing. And I'm like, Oh, great. And we talk about it. And then it became like the whole, like, you know, I mean, there's always been the, the thing of a three-way bid or whatever, but it really became more about like, show us exactly your vision and how you would do it. And so like, you know, probably as you know, like doing those treatments, take sometimes a whole day if not a week you gotta be a pilot you gotta be like a good a good writer like i I realized like like you said like everyone wants treatments now it's like i didn't realize like being a writer i don't know if you agree like you you, with those treatments you really have to be a good writer and almost like a graphic designer when you're putting these things together exactly and the thing is you know i'm and i'm i don't consider myself a good writer i'm very like just pragmatic in my discussion like and I, i that's kind of it, it, it's been okay mostly with U.S. clients for the most part where it's like they want to know what my approach would be. And I might spiel a little bit of the ad talk like, oh, but, you know, whatever, whatever at yeah. the beginning. But then I talk about and I try to talk about in vague terms because, once again, this is going – you still haven't got the job. So I want to make sure that it's not like I'm essentially telling them exactly how I would do it. you know. But I, I give them sort of like you know approaches and a lot of sort of – motion and still examples but on the flip side of that like i've had to do stuff for european clients in the past where they're expecting me to write how let's say their marketing team would write about the product yeah. and i'm like I, you know when i get into those i'm like what do i know about your shampoo like i don't know anything about like yeah. you want me to shoot michael phelps i'll tell you how i'll shoot a portrait of michael phelps yeah for this head and shoulders campaign but i don't know I don't know what to say about the shampoo. That's kind of your job. So those become a bit difficult because they're, I think, I think sometimes those are the clients that are just giving your treatment directly to the client, their client versus like, you know, let's look at this internally and then, and then include it with our, with our creative on how the execution would be. Yeah. So, um, that's a little different. No, it's interesting. 
And, you know, looking at your work, you shoot so many professional athletes. Um, like, when did that kind of come in the mix for you? Like, as, like, as you know, as a commercial photographer, you're, you're making a living at this. Like, are you, like, ever, like, creating work that you hope will attract clients? Or uh, how did you kind of get into the, all the sports and everything you do with, like, Nike? How did that kind of evolution happen? You know, the sports thing, I just fell into it. To be honest, like, I am, you know, I mentioned I was a skateboarder. So I wasn't, you know, I was, like, not to say the anti-jock, but, you know, like a skateboarder, like a scrawny skateboard kid. So, like, you know, the football team was like, oh, those guys, those jockos, whatever. So, so you know, I didn't really – I still don't really follow a lot of sports. I love the Olympics, but, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, follow, like, normal, you know, sort of annual sports. And so I think what it was is I was doing – you know, I was doing some fashion stories. I was doing some portraits. And, you know, sometimes – Sometimes in this career, it's like it's it's luck and timing. It's persistence, but it's luck and timing. So, you know, I, I had done this feature, this fashion story for a magazine, mm. and somebody at Nike had seen it, an art director, a, a junior art director at that, and they were trying to, you know, change up what the look of the stuff that Nike was doing all through, like, the 90s and early 2000s, which a lot of the stuff was your, you know, guy running through the woods, motion blurred, yeah. you know, like that type of thing, you know, it was, you know, the, it was the style. So, so this person, you know, this art director was like, Oh, I want to try to make something a little slicker. I want to infuse like a little bit of fashion lighting with sport. And to be honest, no one was really doing that back then because it just, you know, I think, I think sports stuff was kind of poo pooed on, especially by the fashion set. You yeah. know, they were like, Oh, I never, you know, I don't do that stuff. That's below me. So, there was like a market to be had, you know, doing that. And so they had saw this, they'd seen this fashion store I did. And so they were like, Oh, can we do this lighting? But with these athletes and I'm like, Oh, sure. Yeah, we could do that. And we can light this way. And, you know, and so you start to discover, I mean, you know, like the timing was something that you kind of had to sort of learn, which, you know, came relatively easy because of shooting skateboard stuff and um, kind of, you know, lighting and learning to make sure that things are, out of the way of the athlete. And then also quickly realizing that like you have to get these things fast because, you know, they're not models. They don't no. want to be there necessarily. Yeah. They're, you know, their job is to, you know, whatever, be a basketball player in the NBA or, or, or a track star, you know, for whatever. Yep. So this is just some, some chore they have to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of realized early to approach this thing like, like I always say, like I'm like the fast dentist. Like you don't want to be here, <laughs> yeah. but if we'll just do this really fast and really good, and then we'll get you out of here, and that way everybody's happy, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I just kind of fell into it, and then like, like I did this. I did a few shoots for them and a couple other companies, and um, right around time again, it was all sort of like converging. Like you know, at this point, I was you know, it was digital was not a um, viable technology at the moment. Like you would shoot two frames and you have to wait 10 seconds Yeah. or, or the stuff was really glitchy. So it was like, yeah, you know, so I was, you know, my first, first part of my career was shooting film, getting a process, going to the lab and printing it, doing my color palettes or whatever. And, um, right around the time, you know, I had, I had got a test shoot or rather it wasn't a test shoot. It was like, a, it was an internal only shoot for the 2004 Olympics. And we shot this thing in t- summer of 2003 and it was that same art director that had hired us to do some like kind of fashion stuff. And so she was continuing on to that, on that sort of look. Yeah. And she was like, let's go shoot these 14 athletes in Europe. 
and uh, we'll shift him into studio settings, and here's the look and this and that. And so, you know, we shot him film, came back, they put together the thing, it was great, it was well received. So six months later, they come back and say, okay, now we're shooting the real campaign. We're shooting 40 athletes in five countries, and it's all going to look the same, and it's all, you know, slick and whatever. And right around that time, like I had, a month before, I had gone into, um, you know, like a camera store, like Sammy's Camera in L.A., mm-hmm. and I was looking for a scanner, like a, like a negative scanner, because I was like, you know, I'm spending all this money on, like, scanning my negatives. They're like 80 bucks a pop. You know, I should just get a scanner. Maybe I can lease one. Yeah. So I went in there, and, and the, the guy working behind the counter was like, well, you know, they just came out with this new digital camera. Uh, you should check it out. And I was like, ah, that's nah, probably crap because I've seen the stuff. It looks terrible, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, well, here, try it out. So I tried it out on a, on a sort of a, a local client shoot, and uh, I said, well, I don't really know how to run the stuff. And he's like, well, I can do it. So this guy that worked at, you know, Sammy's came with me on the shoot, and you know, there was no name for the time, but he was essentially acting as a digital tech. Damn. So, you know, we shot this stuff and I was like, Oh, this is cool. So then I tried to, I tried to, uh, sell that to the Nike client. And I was like, listen, this will be cool because we'll know we get the shot. Like, you know, with these, these, you know, track people that only do it, like come out of the blocks like three times. Yeah. Like we know we can get it. It's not. And they were like, Oh, I don't know. We had a really bad experience with digital. We did this shoot and it was really low res and it was kind of shitty. Yeah. And, this, and I was like, no, this would be cool. It's bigger, blah, blah. So I really had to convince them to the point where I had to do a test for them while I was, and at the time I was living in New York, I had to shoot in New York with a couple models while they were having a conference in Portland at the Nike headquarters and I would just send them files wow. and say, look at this, look at that. And they were like, oh, okay, cool. So the thing, you know, at the time, there was, it was still kind of a relatively new, glitchy thing. So I remember our first leg of that was in Amsterdam. And I said, tell you what, what we're going to do is the camera accepts the digital back, but it also accepts film back. So I'm going to bring the film back. So that way, if there's any failure, if there's any, we only have one, you know, yeah. we were carrying this thing like, you know, Lord of the Rings, like the ring, you know, just like only one back, you know. So um, we, you know, we got to Amsterdam, we shot for the week and I, I told the local producer, I was like, oh, get me these rolls of film and Polaroid and, you know, whatever. So shot all week. Everything was successful. We were about to head to the next city and I turned to the local, you know, Dutch assistants and I was like, oh, hey, by the way, I don't really want to travel with all those rolls of film because I don't want to go through X-ray you guys can have the film. And they're like, what film? And I was like, you know, the film that was here on set in case the camera failed. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, we, we never got that. And the art director was behind me, and she was like, what? what? So luckily, nothing, <laughs> nothing happened. But I was like, oh, shit. So, but the point of that was that, like, there's a lot of times, you know, whether it be luck or just sort of the overconfidence that, like, we just kind of jumped into it and pushed it. Yep. So that way, it's, it's worked to our advantage. And so when we when we did that shoot, you know, we did all those 40 athletes. It was the first like global campaign where it was like tied in with, you know, the global markets and it was successful. And, um, after that, you know, there were some write-ups about it and this and that, like in some photo, like, you know, photo district news and whatever. And, uh, the only, the only, I don't say bad thing. I mean, it was a good thing because it was getting work. The only, but the thing that was sort of a little bit sort of a bummer was that, I just kept getting the same shoots. Uh, like people would be like, Oh, I saw that thing. So it got to the point where like, how many times can I shoot someone kicking a ball against the white background? Yep. You know, it got, it got a little frustrating and you know, no one, 
an editorial, like even when I would get an editorial job, they'd be like, oh, hey, why don't you just this cover of a baseball player? And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and it'd be a portrait. And I'm like, you know, I can shoot portraits of other things. It's not like I have some special intuition in the mind of the athlete. Yeah. But, you know, they, they typecast. So I was only getting that stuff. And it was getting a bit frustrating because I would try their things and, you know, it just wouldn't, it wouldn't hit. And then, funny enough, it could have been also because of recession where suddenly, like, the big names, like the big fashion photographers or the big, you know, like, they were probably in the same boat as everybody else. Like, oh, shit, work is, yep. work is dried up. Uh, and then a Nike would approach, and they'd be like, oh, maybe, maybe shooting for sports isn't that bad. Yeah. And so suddenly, you know, you have these, these big names shooting for those companies. But um, I think it also worked for my advantage where someone would, let's say, see, like, a Speedo campaign I did. Yeah. And, you know, you're shooting swimmers gorgeous bodies wearing little tiny speedos and someone sees this graphic, beautiful portrait of Michael Phelps or whoever. And they're like, Oh yeah, that's cool. We'd love to do a fashion story like that with these models. And yeah. so it's almost like, I mean, I'm going on a ledge here, but like, I, I think I, I always imagine that people sometimes like to discover the photographer or yep. the artist as yep. opposed to, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's a, it's a, you know, so in that case, like someone was like, saw this thing and they're like, what if we take this sports guy and have him do this fashion yeah, story, yeah, you know, yeah. when, even though I had already been doing that stuff. So there's a, there's a little bit of that. And I think to be honest, it's worked sometimes for my benefit, but also the reverse where since I kind of went segued from magazines right into, you know, into, you know, advertising, I feel like sometimes that um, with the kind of cooler, like critic, like more like sort of well-received critical magazines, like yeah. I might, you know, like basically I'm not someone they could discover. I'm yeah. not someone who they're going to be like, like, oh, this guy, this artist, we're going to nurture his art. I'm, I'm already sort of established doing that stuff. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. But No, it's interesting. Yeah, this business, this business is like so random how you end up getting jobs it's just you never know where they're going to come from so it's just kind of interesting to hear your story uh and you know uh one thing i'm always curious about like once you kind of start shooting commercially and you're shooting these bigger jobs like when did you feel like it was necessary to like partner with like an agent like do you think is that like a necessity if you want to shoot commercial work these days or what's your opinion well, okay. Again, I can't speak for now because I think now it's a different it's a different world. I feel like like now you can get the work out in front of somebody by multiple means. Like you gotta you know remember when I started yeah. or when a lot of you know people you spoke to started. It's like there was no website mm -hmm. that you could point somebody to. There was no Instagram. You know there was just let me just pound the pavement, carry schlep this heavy ass book around the subway and go go to meeting to, after meeting. And yeah. so you know, I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't, again, think that was a, a better way at, by any means. I feel like, mm -hmm. you know, now as an art director, you have the world at your fingertips or as a photographer where you can, you know, like some, some teenage girl in Finland can reference like some cool fashion magazine in Tokyo and be like, oh, it's inspiring. Yeah. And then go shoot her friends and really start to build a really amazing book, you know, whereas in the past you, you couldn't do that. You didn't have the access to that. So, um, I think as far as the rep question goes, is like when I started, I felt that it was, it was an asset for me. One, because again, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't consider myself like 
like an amazing schmoozer personality. In fact, I, I kind of get even embarrassed. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe not so much anymore, but like, you know, when I would, you know, when I was younger and I'd say, well, I'm a photographer, it just sounded so corny. Oh, like, yeah, it just sounded man. like, I yeah. was like, like yeah. hey, uh, I'm a photographer. You're, you have, you have, you have poise, you know that? I can really shoot, you know, <laughs> oh, it's, it's kind of corny. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so, so, or, or people, let's say back home, when you say photographer, they think you're the guy in the cruise ship that at the end of the cruise, you get your keychain from with your photo on it. You know, like there's, there's, I mean, I think that's changed now. I think people are more savvy, but, um, but I think, yeah, with the rep, I, I, um, was kind of doing a solo and then a rep, you know, a, a, actually a photo editor, um, was talking to this agent and, um, and she was like looking, the agent was looking to get some more people. And, and this photo editor was like, Oh, you should look at this guy's stuff. And so they called me up, she called me up out of the blue and, um, funny enough, like, so, so at the time I was like, you know, I was this house or the, rather this apartment I was renting, they were selling the house. It was like a sort of small detached area. So I was losing my apartment. You know, I had just broken up with a girlfriend. Yeah. I was like, all bummed out. I was like, things are kind of going slow and everything. And so this agent calls me, she's like, Oh, Hey, uh, do you want to, you know, do you want to come and meet me? And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm kind of busy. So I inadvertently blew her off, but I didn't mean to. I just was sort of in a, you know, kind of like a bummer, bummer place that yeah. day when she called. So a week passed and then she like called me up again. She's like, do you want to meet or not? And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So I met, went and met with her and you know, the work was comprised of back to that newspaper stuff, but it was comprised mostly of celebrities and directors and these, these, you know, portraits of these well-known actors. Mm. And she I found this out years later, but she kind of played a poker face with me because she was like, Oh yeah, this stuff looks nice. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. And she's like, all right, well, why don't you think about what type of stuff you want to do and you know, write it down and get it back to me. And I was like, okay, yeah, we'll talk about it. Whatever. And I, I closed the book, you know, whatever and left. And apparently, you know, she told one of her assistants, she's like, where's this guy been? Like, where is this? Like, who is this person that has all this stuff, you know, because yeah. it was all under the radar newspaper stuff, but it was, you know, it was something you would, you know, you'd always, Drive like even though you're shooting for newspaper, the idea in the back of your head is like this should run in Vogue yep. or this should run in W magazine or yeah. whatever. So even if they're the the you know it running in some quarter page in some newsprint, you got to make it feel like it would it would be as quality as that. Yeah. So um, so anyway, so I went with her, and to be honest, I kept the same agent for this is our 20 year anniversary wow, this year. That's amazing. And it's kind of, I mean, she's a straight shooter, yep. uh, you know, and I, I think, you know, it's like, you know, we've had our, we've had our disagreements and everything and, and past and course and everything. And, and to be honest, I don't know if, for instance, like there's been plenty of times where, especially now, like a, a bigger agency will reach out to me. Like it's, it happens like every few months, which used to be a big no, no, but you know, people kind of put the feelers out. Oh, Hey, if you're in town, chef and coffee or whatever. Yeah. And I'm flattered. But I, part of me is also like, you know, and this might have been dumb, so maybe this is a good, good career advice for somebody younger or whatever. It's like I didn't realize until later that possibly a lot of this, a lot of this stuff is, is, is the company you keep. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to, when I first started, I just really was more like, I don't want people to hire me because they're my buddy or because I'm this like witty personality. I want them to hire me because they like the work. Mm -hmm. Now, if they work with me and we become friends and they like me, great. But the first thing is I want them to hire me because of, of the work I do. And, 
you know, when I first started shooting overseas, when I would get a job, let's say in London, the, the, it was funny. When I first moved to LA, that cliche thing would happen. Oh, what's your sign? Like people would ask you what your sign was. And I'm like, uh, what? You know, like, so when I would start shooting in, let's say London, the first thing one of the crew people would ask me would be like, oh, who's your agent? And they would size you up by your agency. Like if you're with this, you know, and so I'm like, well, I'm with the same agent. And to be honest, I think, you know, it's, it's worked for me so far because I think at this point, you know, my assumption is that people are, are reaching out to her specifically for me. They're not reaching out to an agency. Like there's some agencies you've probably seen where like, they have a, a ton of different photographers, yep. but a lot of them shoot the same thing or the same style. So those type of agencies, you could tell that it's the art buyer has a really good relationship with the rep, yep. and they'll be like, who do you got on the roster who could do this? Yep. And they're like, well, Larry's not available, but Steve can do <laughs> yeah, it or yeah, whatever. Everybody. <laughs> I think, you know, and, and that's good. That's, that's good business for the, for the rep. But I, I would hope that, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure because, you know, I'm not with Superstar Agency, they're reaching out specifically for Carlos, yeah. you know, to do something, not, not like who do you got, who yep. can do this. Mm. So, um, so I've, you know, I've kind of kept that for a while, um, you know, and it's, it's worked out pretty good, but there's always that thing in the back of my head. It's like, had I gone with a bigger agency, you know, would I've been looked upon like, Oh, well he's with so-and-so. So yeah. there, there is a bit of that. And I, and I would only hope that as the future, you know, as we continue forward that like, because of the fact that there's, not the gatekeepers yep. or not the, um, or the ability kind of people to show their work on Instagram that, I mean, I see a lot of amazing photographers. They have no agent. They yep. just, they're able to get their work out there. So that's pretty refreshing. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I mean, in my opinion, I think it's just for one, the main thing is just do great work and then just don't be an asshole. And it's like you said, yeah. like, like I, one thing always kind of bothered me about like New York and some of these places is like, there's like an arrogance with like certain magazines and like certain, like you say, like these perceived big agencies. But like at the end of the day, it's just like as a photographer, you just want to do good work and be around good people. Like you said, like your agent might not be the per, quote unquote, like the snooty agency, but she knows what she's doing and she's good at it. And you guys work well together, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you hit the nail on the head, man, because it's like, you know, I, I, you, you have to check yourself because, uh, you know, I hear horror stories or I, or I, since I never really assisted, I only, only basically at the, like I helped my friend or he helped me like when we were starting out. So I have no reference on how anybody else works. Yeah. But when I hear stories, especially like fashion stories, I'm like, my God, how do they, how does the client like put up with this? Like, why would they deal with this type of attitude? Yeah. You know, like, and, and part of it, I think sometimes is people equate sort of that you know, uh, that type of attitude or that, or whatever, and, and go, Oh, it's because they're very artistic or it's because they're, they're bringing something to it. So, so they're, they're like that way because yeah. they're an artist. And I'm like, I nah. call bullshit on that, you know? Cause it's like, here's the thing, man. I, I realize like, we're not on these shoots. We're not curing cancer. No. We're shooting, we're selling freaking shoots. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like you can, you can do, you know, you can have, you can take it seriously and you can basically like, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of make sure that job is done right, but you can also have a good time with it. You know, like you don't have to be a dick. And so I think, you know, it's, it's just exhausting to kind of 
keep up with that sort of mentality, but it's, but it is sort of baffling to me. Like sometimes when I hear like, Oh, that person requested like a, you know, a ping pong table and a DJ on set and whatever, or, or this person had to have the whole studio, including the studio they're not working with painted before they even came and looked at the studio. It's like, I think, I think certain people, Yeah. it's not that like there's, there's clever as like a cult leader, but they can put out that persona that people jump to what, whatever their demand is when, yeah. when really it's ridiculous. I mean, like I've heard stories where like people throwing tantrums because they didn't get the suite at the hotel they wanted wow. or whatever. And you're like, you're like, dude, what, what do you, you know, how is this? Why? I mean, or I've had, I've had certain photographers, you know, and again, I've never been like, you know, when I, when I first starting out, I would sort of chuckle at the, the older photographers who would be so secretive. And so like, you know, like, Oh, don't look at my set or covered up. And because I would never, you know, I mean, it's just not that I wouldn't do that type of thing. It's like, you have some sort of integrity or class or whatever, but I've, I've been on sets where like, you know, at some advertising job, especially the sports job, might have multiple shoots happening at the same time because mm. let's say you have that Russell Westbrook for only two hours or four hours a day. He's going to shoot for this division. Then he's going to shoot for that division. He's going to do portrait for the sportswear stuff. Then he's going to do some other crap in interview over here. Yeah. So you might be in his convention center with multiple photographers. And I remember like a couple of years ago, there was like, you know, a fashion person shooting these portraits on white. And it was like a continuing thing of a few different, um, you know, athletes. And it just so happened that, you know, Russell or whoever we were shooting that day, I think it was like KD, uh, we were shooting him in Oklahoma. And so they were set up in the, in the adjoining, you know, section of this, this big convention center. Yeah. And, you know, we were shooting motion and stills. And so we had all these lights and, you know, like, and because we have to light so we can freeze the action, yep. it's always a lot of lights and, mm. and very bright. And funny enough, like, on a side note, it's funny when you when a DP for a for a motion thing shows up, and they kind of pull this attitude like, "Oh, these guys don't know how to light; they're, they're lighting too much." And it's like, but, but you don't realize we're also lighting for the still. We're yeah, not lighting yeah. like I just had that happen yesterday on a shoot where where there was a guy, funny enough, doing the BTS video for my still shoot, and I was they had asked the client had asked me, "Can you shoot this with hot lights?" And I said, "Sure." because they wanted to be able to film at the same time. And I was like, well, sure. Okay. So I was, he showed up and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for the 6k light to show up because I'm not getting enough output. You know, they only gave me a 4k today yep. and I need this brighter thing. He's like, well, you can go with like a 1.8. And I was like, no, that's the reverse. Like yeah, that yeah. might work for motion, but yeah. I need, you know, more light. But anyway, so I forgot what I was saying. The, uh, I digressed on the on the on the point you were talking about. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, there's uh, this. Yeah, there's oh, there's all, it's like any job. There's always people you're gonna work with to have attitudes. But I think I mean talking to guys like you or I talked to Frank Ockenfels the other week and he was like he's like yeah man you just have to have no ego like even if someone like might piss you off like you just have to brush it off and roll with it and like in this be easy to work with I think and that goes a, a long way right. Yeah, and that's refreshing because Frank Ockfeld, he's another one that when I was starting out, I'd see stuff in, in Rolling Stone, and I could tell when he shot it because it'd be something cool and edgy. Yeah. Like, you know, there was everybody else doing the same sort of portrait, but I was like, that's rad, and it's cool. Like, we have we have some some similar clients where, like, you know, I'll I'll shoot. I mean, this is this is kind of a trip for me. It's like, you know, we'll, like I let's say occasionally I'll do like a um, – a uh, movie poster or like a, a, a thing for yeah. um, like a TV show. Yeah. And generally I don't, I don't end up showing that stuff a lot because 
it's um you know they tend to over retouch i mean they're 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 yeah. almost like you know movie posters are sometimes an illustration mm-hmm. but i take those jobs because it's a nice fun thing to do like you know like shooting zombies jumping on a trampoline is a pretty fun day yeah. like that's a that's a fun like how how you know it's pretty fun yeah. but when i when i work with those art directors they're like oh yeah we just worked with you know frank ockefels and i'm like dude that's rad and so like <laughs> you know like kind of shoot the shit on him or or like for instance we'll shoot in in texas and i've never met the man but you know i've always loved his work when i was starting out and still do and uh his first assistant has like has a rental gear company. Yeah. So the first time I remember a couple of years ago, he dropped, you know, the, the assistant dropped the gear off to me and he's like, Oh, and by the way, Dan Winters says hi. And I was like, Dan Winters knows me. Like what? <laughs> you know, so, Hell yeah, like, man. Kind of like a, <laughs> a trip. So, yeah, dude. It's, 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 a, it's a small world. Um, you okay? A couple more questions. You cool to go? Oh well, yeah, man. I'm just cool. Yeah, totally. Thanks man. I really appreciate your time. Um, you know, I saw one shoot. I don't know if you did it recently, but it was on your site. It was like, a, it was like flaunt. Uh, it was like a Prada and flaunt magazine. I think collaboration. And there was really cool because it was like photos, and then it looked almost like like a collage. I was kind of curious, like what that project was all about, because it seemed like a little different from what you normally do. Yeah. Okay. So that I'm glad you brought that one up because so that one um, was. So it was the second second time I had done like this. Uh, it, I wouldn't even call it an advertorial because there's no money involved in it. So Flaunt, Flaunt is a magazine that's kind of like you do one of those things for for the um, you know the love of it or or for the work you know yeah. I mean for the for what you get out of it. So you know we had done one the previous year where like a design like one designer will will sponsor like a party for them or or give them X amount of money to do a story that's specifically only of their apparel. Yeah. So, you know, this was a part of one. So the first one we'd done was with these actors and we filmed these little vignettes and we shot this little thing for it. And so when this one came around, they were like, okay, we're not shooting actors as much as we're shooting, like just like some filmmakers and some, you know, some non, some, some basically some talent that's not used to being in front of the camera, mm. like some people behind the camera. So I was like, Oh, okay, that might, like, I, I thought of two things. One, I saw the collection, and I was like, oh, my God, this stuff is is crazy. Like, it's, it's like, it looks, it looks good on the runway and a really attractive guy or girl model, yeah. but, like, normal people can't wear this stuff. Yeah. Like, it's crazy, it's, you know? So <laughs> um, how is that going to work with, like, say, this person who just, you know, was attractive, looks like a normal person, you know? So... And the fact that they're not a talent, like they don't, they don't necessarily, you know, they might be a director or a composer. They're not someone who's used to being in front of the camera doing cool things, you know? So, um, I, you know, I was following, I've always loved collage and and illustration. And, um, there was this one artist that I was following on Instagram and she was following me and, uh, she kind of took a shot and I was like, Hey, I got this thing. And I don't know if you're interested, but it's this, you know, uh, this thing for Flan, it's a magazine and um, we have to do stills in a video and uh, we'll be shooting a few actors, but some other people and you could see here's the apparel. It's crazy, but the, the apparel itself has a very collage, uh, you know, uh, sort of look to it. Like, yeah. the, you know, the apparel has all those things on it. So she was like, yeah, that sounds cool. So, um, you know, again, this is a labor of love, no money, all the money's out of pocket and um you know the studio the lighting whatever and so it ends up you know costing me out of pocket quite a bit Mm -hmm. um 
So I had to make sure that it's something that might bring something else. And yeah. so I think my thought behind it as well was, um, I mean, okay, I, I try to treat every shoot, especially if it's a job I'm paying for, to bring me to the next level or to do something that I could show my paying clients that this might be an interesting solution for something. So I think the process behind that was, you know, occasionally when we've done like a pro, you know, athlete, and then they kind of throw on, they tag on the last minute on the shoot, like, let's do a couple of this fashion line. Mm -hmm. And so in Russell Westbrook's, you know, uh, take for example, like we shot his performance wear, we shot in this big court we built and whatever. And then we're like, Oh, now we're going to shoot him against this white wall. And he's just going to basically come out with the apparel and like, look around and do a little dance and then go and change again, come out, do it again. And so we're then tasked to make a video out of that. And I'm like, well, the footage, there's not really much there to work with. Like, yeah. I mean, you sure you could throw some video effects on it and mirror it and do some other crap and everything. But I was actually thinking, what if in the future, if we had one of these things, I could collaborate with someone like this collage video artist yeah. and have pretty simple footage but then apply all these really interesting things to it. So it was just an attempt for me to kind of reach out and kind of collaborate with different artists. And so um, that's kind of the impetus of that. It was like we I shot it fairly simple against sort of plain colors just to keep my as much as my cost down in studio, knowing that simply, you know, when I would give that to Alice, uh, who was a collage artist, she would then you know, do some amazing stuff with it, bounce it back to us. We would edit it together and then create these little sort of video vignettes. So, and then of course, sure enough, as I thought, those things got, you know, looked at or liked by different, um, you know, art directors from that agencies. And so we've had a couple, we've had a couple editorial things we've done where, and this, that's the goal for it, where, you know, paying clients have been like, oh, do this, just like this for us. Wow. So it kind of, it, it ends up paying for itself. That's always the goal is you experiment and try something and then you know have it lead to something else no nah, it's exciting yeah it came out really cool because it was just like so different from anything else on your site so it's just kind of exciting to hear you kind of constantly try new stuff like at this point in your career like what's kind of got you excited about photography these days because obviously you, you've, you've done it you've shot the famous athletes you shot the big campaigns like what keep what keeps you excited about photography? Is there like still like goals you have for yourself? You think of like projects you want to do or avenues of things you want to photograph? Yeah, well, I mean, not so much subjects per se. Like, I think I think uh, you know, again, this like I mentioned, I don't since I don't follow sports, and this might this might uh, work for me maybe. Like when we get to shoot like a big person or big athlete. I'm, I'm just like, Oh cool. You're here. Okay. Let's go do this. It's like, I'm, I'm never like an R. I don't try to be anybody's buddy. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, the, the dude. And so, and what was nice to hear for a while is like, I would hear from other people like in those meetings at those companies, like they'd be speaking to LeBron or whoever and this and that. And, and they would all be talking about the next project and they'd be like, Oh, let's, let's get the guy with the beard. Let's get mm -hmm. the, like they didn't know my name until like <laughs> 10 times I shot him, you know, just yeah. the guy with the beard. You could do it. He's fast. So, um, but as far as what's excited me, it's like, I think like going back to the start of this conversation is the cohesiveness with taking some of the ideas that we have for photos and, and having them move. Yeah. I think that's kind of still sort of like the fun thing. I think it's just, I think it, it allows me to go back to my first, you know, when I started photography, like the excitement of editing your stuff once you, you know, it's like now everything's, you know, like 
my as much as I'd like to shoot on film, mm-hmm. like I did back in the day, the clients that I have just don't have that. Unless you're doing a, a special project, um, you know they need right the away. turnaround fast. Yeah. They need things, you know, and and there's a little bit of you know. On a side note, on the film thing, I'm sure you've heard some other photographers. It's like it's it is it is kind of interesting. It's funny to see on on the you know Instagram where someone's like you know film's not dead or all these things, and it's like yeah. you know it's it's almost like what I find slightly amusing is that like. No one can just shoot film without telling you they shot film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, hashtag, you know what I mean? Hashtag triax. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it. It has to be point of of thing. You can't just like shoot it. It's got to be like you know. Well, I uh, I only shoot film. You know, and I think that work like it's so. Everything has a twenty twenty five year cycle. Yeah. So as since I've been in this business almost that long, mm-hmm. I'm seeing trends of the stuff that I shot in the early let's say nineties when I was really just starting out shooting for like local magazines and newspapers. Like yeah. I see that type of thing because young people are discovering it. Yeah. They're excited. But there it's is exciting. that type of, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, but, but it is funny though. Like when I, when you go to somebody's website and you see like, you know, they list the film cameras they shoot with and whatever. And I mean, they're just tools who gives a shit, but um, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> anyway, yeah, the, it's funny. The, um, the, that what excites me, I think though, is, is, uh, is just, I mean, and, and I think what also excites me is when I do get a project that uh, has a bit of, you know, any dream project has a bit of longevity to it. You know what I mean? It's like, or or has has had some legs. Like yeah. you want it to sort of like stick or whatever. And so there's, it's frustrating because it because I do mostly advertising. There's been some really beautiful jobs that I was so excited to shoot that I shot, yeah. but because of NDAs. I can't tell you what it is, nor can I show anybody that I shot it, but it's out there. And I, and I, and I see it out there in the, you know, in the world, like, you know, these global campaigns and I'm like, Oh, it looks rad. And, and like, you know, what's frustrating is like the models and the stylists, they post away, yep. you know, they're like, Oh yeah, I did this thing. And so I can go to their sites and see it, but because I'm on the radar of the client, I'm the only one that can't, Damn, even even the, after it's like published and out in the world, they still don't want you to post it. Like, what do you think? What's the mindset behind that? Like, I think to be honest, like, okay, certain clients, like, I mean, back to a Nike, let's say, like, they want to make sure that um, <clears throat> that they, uh, you know, or like a magazine, they want to have it out in a, for a month before yep. you start posting ways that, you know, sort of like lift, lift the curtain say, and like, Oh, I shot this. Yeah. But some other clients, like the other one I'm sort of alluding to, they don't want to take the mystique that it wasn't just them. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's, I think it's, it's a bit of like, it's sort of like, you know, the wizard of Oz lifting the veil and like, Oh, and here's the, here's sort of the, how we made the sausage. Yeah. Like, I don't think they want that. It's more of just like, this is the brand and this is, this is what we are. So, you know, the thing is, if you're going to do a project with an NDA, you know, it goes back to like, you know, is it awesome? Is the job awesome? Or does it pay really well? Mm-hmm. So in those cases, it kind of has to be a bit of both because yeah. if it's awesome and you can't show it, what's the point of doing it? Yeah. But if it pays really well, well, thanks. I'll take my check and I'll just suck yeah. it up. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Use it for your personal project or whatever. Um, yeah. And you know, I was—I'm always interested in talking to people that had a chance to shoot ESPN the body issue because it's become like such like a like a respected like 
uh, honored to like get to shoot that. Like any photographer, uh, they only do it once a year. And uh, you shot it a few, I think, what three, four times now. Um, you shot a bunch of people. I think six times. Yeah, I've done. I've done. A, I think like six covers. But I, to be honest, I didn't. I haven't done it in the last couple of years. Um, but probably as you know, like the magazine doesn't. It's only online now. Yeah, it's a bummer. So, um, but yeah, what's what's kind of a. I mean. I love that. I I love the art director there. She's she's amazing and everything. And I think she's really good in sort of letting photographers do their thing. But I think you know what it they were first of all they were fun to do. Obviously, it's like you know especially I mean most of the athletes that you shoot they're pretty comfortable with their bodies. Like if I had a body like that, I'd probably walk around naked too. You know, <laughs> but like it was pretty funny because you had to adjust your timing. Like one of the like we shot this basketball player Kenneth Farid, amazing looking dude pretty well endowed, you know, like yeah. just, just, you know, kind of a specimen right there. Right. Yep. And so he's going up, he's naked, he's going for the dunk. Yep. And where I normally would click the shutter, I noticed that things were, were going yep. down between his legs while he was going up. Yep. So you have to kind of yeah. adjust your, your things. So that way, when he's at hang time, he starts to go down. That's when you snap it because things are hidden behind yeah. a leg, let's say, or whatever. But, um, the hard thing with that though, was I always try to, you know, I mean, I, like shooting, shooting nudes is kind of tricky because it's like, I don't, I didn't want it to be corny, mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, there was certain, I think there were certain times where like, uh, like, you know, they had different art directors working on it and some art directors, you know, amazing as they were, like, it wasn't necessarily my vibe. Like they might come from more of like a, like a kind of a humorous background, like maybe working for like a, like an entertainment magazine yeah, where, yeah. you know, I, I would want to shoot these things like they're Greek statues, like they're, they're, they're gods, mm -hmm. you know, like this physique doing something. So I always tried to do a shoot where it showed off their physicality, but I didn't want to do the ones where it's like, you know, Oh, someone doing something like silly, like, Oh, they're, you know, you know, like there's a certain, certain ones that kind of like became kind of like, more of like an early entertainment weekly shoot, you know, like, uh, yep. like where you're, where it's almost like a story, like, or a comedy shoot, you know what I mean? That, I mean, entertainment weekly is, is great. But yep. uh, what I meant was say about that was it's more of like a narrative yep. and, but it's, it just wasn't, it wasn't me. So yep. I would sometimes, you know, um, kind of come into those situations where like, you know, I'd be shooting this thing and then the person on set would be like, what if we have them like in that bathtub or what if we have them swinging or what if we, and I would look over at the, the, you know, the athlete and I'd look over at his person and they would be shaking their heads like, oh. no, no. you know, like, <laughs> like sort of mouthing like, no. and I was like, no, I don't, I don't know if that's really yep. what I try to do. Yep. So, so those things were, were fun, but I think, you know, what, I think what happened, at least my personal insight to it was, um, when they, when they first were doing it, it was exciting because it felt like to me, like I mentioned Frank Hockenfels, when you would look at Rolling Stone and they'd have like a, say a photo issue, yep. you would keep that issue because you would have multiple photographer, you know, photographic artists doing their things thing. in their style. Yeah. So you would have, you'd have a page of whatever rock star and Frank would shoot it. Then you'd have a page and Annie Lee would shoot it. Then you have a page and they were distinctive. Yep. You know, they were all different. And I think when it first started, they, they allowed a bit of that. I mean, the one rule was don't, don't retouch you know, skin, mm -hmm. keep it natural as possible. But I think a turn happened like a few years ago where, where somebody came in who came from more of like a sideline sports 
yep. photographer mentality, you know, like the guys with the vests and the long lenses. Yep. And I feel that they were trying to change the magazine more towards a sports illustrated feel, not, not the sports illustrated swimsuit. That's different, but yep. like this, like shooting sports, but in a very like kind of like, oh, it's gotta be natural. It's gotta be natural. So, yeah. you know, I remember getting into arguments or not arguments, but disagreements with like, you know, my photo editor, when we'd come back to like, let's say, you know, like I'll put the image, they'd be like, well, you know, that, that person's skin color doesn't look like that. And I'm like, yeah, but they're inside getting lit by this thing or that. I mean, it's like, yeah, it looks you know, and, you know, and, and I think it's, it's a sensitive issue. I think, especially when you shoot darker skin, because people want to make sure that it's correct. But the thing is light skin, dark skin, whatever skin, if you have it in warm light, it's going to go warmer. If you have it in cooler light, it's going to go cooler. Yeah. It's not like we're doing some sort of weird adjustment, but they were trying to keep the quality of the rest of the shot, the color that it was, but then pull all the color out of the person's skin. Yeah. And I'm like, but that's going to look weird. You yeah. know, like it should be overall. So, so it kind of became this thing where I felt like it was, um, it was just sort of being limited where uh, it was no longer like, wow, look at all these different artists. It became a bit more homogenized. And I, and I don't think necessarily the art director was, uh, was loving that either. I mm. think, I think she was very much like, like the fact of having different artists do their things. I mean, I like, you know, in my ideal world, you'd have like pages done by an illustrator yeah. or maybe this, this one, you no know, athlete was painted with mm -hmm. watercolor and this, and you know, maybe no one would give a shit and want to buy it. But mm -hmm. like, you know, as opposed to just like same the thing. same shot yeah. and, and because it's a, it's a, you know, it's a G it's a Disney magazine. It's not like you can actually show anything. Yep. So not to, not to say like you'd want to just show for gratuitous sake, but mm -hmm. like, you know, at some point, if you're doing, let's say nude soccer player, you only can shoot them. Like they, they have to have their arm covered in the chest yep. and their leg covers their lower part. So it's, it became a bit, uh, redundant of what you can do with it. You know what I mean? So I think that was the, um, that was sort of the struggle with, with that and everything. And so I hope it continues, but you know, I just don't, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, because of the fact that it's online or, or maybe this new generation of athletes, they're already posting that stuff on their Instagram anyway. Yep. Like, I don't know necessarily if they're still drawing or able to draw like those, those, um, bigger names, like in the, in the first, you know, let's say decade of it. You know what I mean? I felt like that maybe, um, it, you know, I hope they can because it's a really, it's a really interesting, but I just don't know if like, you know, just like the same way that, um, you know, sports illustrator swimsuit, why would someone really care or go buy that when you could just Google whatever nasty thing you want to nasty, you know, <laughs> what you want to see, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's already readily available. Yeah. So if you want to see your favorite athlete, you know, in a bikini or naked, just go to their Instagram. Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting spot, like as a photographer, because you're getting hired by someone, um, and they have their vision, you have your vision. Like, how do you know, like, when to like push back? Because, like, from talking to you, which is really interesting, you you sound like you really have an understanding of like what you want, like how you want to do it, like even like how you're talking early on in the interview, like with the video stuff. Like, yeah, you could probably go shoot some longer format stuff if you want but you've, you've taken it upon yourself to really kind of like concentrate on like those 15 second videos. Um, I guess kind of long question, but like, how do you know when to push back in those situations? Cause you, is that something you've always just had that? Like 
you know what your vision is and you're really just sticking to it um, because it is a weird relationship where they're hiring you and a lot of times people people could just be like all right i'll do whatever you want because you got you got to make money at the end of the day you know yeah and to be honest you you've hit the nail on the head i th- i think you know all honesty i think when i realize that i don't make my bread and butter from editorial yeah. is when i mean look i'm i'm a i'm an art director pleaser like i want them to leave happy i'm not the person who like looks at the stuff they brought and I'm like, yeah, it takes me nowhere. I want to do what I want to do. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I want to work and collaborate with that person. But sometimes you, you, you run across things where it's like, you should know by now that like, if you're hiring me, yep. I do this, I don't do that. So, so respectfully, it's not like I, you know, whatever you argue in a shout yeah, at yeah. somebody, but I'll be like, well, that's not really, I don't, you know, or find a way to kind of change the subject. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh no, no, no. You know, and then I'll just kind of, <laughs> yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, just try to, yeah. you know, manipulated to my, to my thing. But really, I remember, I remember the shoot that I realized, like, I don't really care, you know, was not that I don't care, but what it was, was, you know, I started shooting advertisement or advertise advertising jobs. And I was still doing occasionally these like, you know, editorial yep. celebrity, this thing, celebrity that thing, you know, and um, I had to shoot this. And it's always, it's always like the young celebrity who's, like there's a difference between actors and celebrities. Yeah. So it's always the young celebrity with the really aggressive, strangely aggressive, like PR person, like their publicist, like who just wants conflict for conflict's sake. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I sort of got tired of shooting celebrity stuff. Like uh, probably a lot of people speak to, or you have to deal with that crap. And it's like, you got no patience for that type of attitude, you know, but you know, I was shooting this young, you know, actress who really hadn't been in anything, but they were, uh, the magazine, it was like one of those like shape or fitness magazines or one of those ones itself. And this is way back, like maybe 15, you know, or 17 years ago. And they wanted me to shoot her in the pool because that's the workout she does. So it's like, okay, cool. So, you know, got down to her camera, rented a pool in Malibu, you know, going to shoot that and shoot a portrait, whatever. So the, the actress arrived before her PR person showed up. So, we're all set to go. We're about to go in the pool. PR person shows up and just starts being like, no, we're not doing any pool shots. Oh, wow. And I'm like, well, um, that's what the article's about. Yeah. And like, well, uh, we can't do pool shots because it's going to mess up our hair and we won't be able to do that. And I'm like, well, no, they said, they said, well, we'll do the portraits first and then we'll do the pool shot. Yeah. And I said, well, I'm, I'm tasked to do the pool shot. So we're going to do the pool shot first because also the lighting is good for the pool now because I'm having to light it with the sun yeah. and then we'll do the portrait afterwards. Well, that's going to mess up her hair. That won't do it. I look over to the hair person and I said, is it going to mess up her hair? How long will it take you to fix her hair? And the guy looks at me and he's like 10 minutes. And then I look back at the publicist with kind of like a yeah. hand. And so, <laughs> so she was kind of stuck. And the thing is I knew that at that point I could, I could sort of battle back because I could simply just, pull my pocket wizard off my camera and say, okay, let's back it up. Yeah. Because what do I care? It was like, you know, it was like 300 bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I could just come back to the magazine and say they didn't want her in the pool. So yep. I, what was funny is I didn't think of a big deal of it at the time. But then after, after the shoot was done, the hair guy came up to me and he was like, Oh my God, I love that you did that. You know, <laughs> so it, was, it wasn't just me. It was like, everybody was like, why, why, if you agree to do this, it's almost like you're just pushing your weight around just cause just to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Just to do it. So, and, and I still get that. Like, I mean, I did something recently and you know, it always happens the day before you're going to fly out for it or the day before the shoot, you'll get that like, Oh, and here's the, 
here's the agreement from the publicity department. You can never use the stuff. You can never show the stuff. You know. And I'm like, well, then I'm not doing the shoot because I'm not getting paid to do it. Yeah. So why would I agree to do it if I can never show the work? Yeah. And then you get in this big thing and like, well, I guess you won't work for, you know, I guess, I guess you will never shoot for, so, and I'm like, so, yeah. but I'm in that position now that I can do that because it's not my bread and butter. Whereas yeah. other people, I think, you know, it's an unfortunate thing you have to contend with. Yeah, it's tough. And the thing I did, it took me a long time to realize this. And I don't even think I realized it until recently. Like a lot of times, even with like editorial contracts, like, or whatever it may be, like there's a lot of times when I was younger, I thought like you just had to sign it and that's all you could do. Like you sign it and you send it and you're done. But I realized you can actually, you have some power. Like you can push back a little bit. You can ask for a little bit more money. And it's like, and it's not that you have to have like this argument with anybody. It's just a professional conversation. And it's just like, it just, at least for me, it just took me like a little time to learn that, that you, you do have power, you know? Exactly. And I'm glad you're saying that, you know, for someone here, because you can, you know, every one of those contracts I get, I, my agent or I amend it. We yeah. go, I'll just cross this out and I'll cross this out and I'll cross this out and I'll send it back to them without, without signing it and say, okay, these are things I've crossed out. And then it's like, a, then starts a negotiating part of like, well, this and that. And so it just, like I said, it just happened recently where the magazine itself had a very strict new policy. And I, so I had to weigh the options going, okay, well, if they can use the stuff and then sell it to whoever afterwards, yep. as long as it's an artist that I'm really into or a talent that I'm really into, then fine, because I'll be able to use it and whatever. Yep. But then after that, the PR company comes in and says, Oh no! You can't even you can't even show the stuff, even though it lives online yeah. and and is in the magazine. Like and so at that point, I was like, no, hang on a second. I understand the concept of like, don't show things that didn't run in the magazine yeah. without without publicist approval. But if this shit is on the cover on yeah. newsstands and in everybody else's Instagram, I should be able to show too. So yeah. at this point, I was like, well, I'm walking away. Yeah, and then back and forth, back and forth, the threats, the really just over the top stuff too. Like really like, you know, just they, uh, it's a special breed to be a publicist, I guess. Like, you, I don't know what, what the deal is, but cause yeah. I always assume that you have to be someone who is very good with people, Yeah. but they really come off like aggressive off the bat a lot of times. Yeah. And it's like for, for no need. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's, I'm glad you said that though, because yeah, it's like, you should never, just go, well, I'm stuck. I have to sign this. Like, yeah, because what I realized change it and, and is it's like all those magazines are on deadline and they're trying to produce these shoots. All those shoots are happening so quick, like their turnaround time and everything. They don't have time to like usually stop one negotiation, find another photographer, and then start over again, you know? Yeah, exactly. And if they do, then it's not really worth it. I mean, it's like, you, you know, you, you know, magazines like, like, I don't know if they do it as much anymore. Cause again, I don't, uh, there's not many magazines left, unfortunately, you know, that's, that's the unfortunate thing. And there's, there's yeah. some cool ones, but you know, it's, it's really thinned out over the years and you know, it would, it would drive me nuts when you would have someone call and leave a message or, and say like, Hey, if you're, are you available? Call me, but they wouldn't tell you what it is. And yeah. so if you call them, then they might sort of trap you into something that maybe they couldn't get anybody else to do. That is not your thing and not your style. But mm -hmm. at this point, you know, it's hard to say, you know, maybe you've wanted to shoot that for that magazine for a while and you're like, well, if I say no, they'll never call me or whatever. But, uh, that is, that is always something that was kind of sort of, I always felt a little sketchy. It's like, you mm -hmm. know, that 
you call directly and then not, but not say yeah. what you're calling about. You yeah. Know what I mean? So. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's always a, it's interesting business. Um, uh, yeah. but, but I guess to wrap up, Carlos, uh, I guess, uh, you've been doing this for a while. Like you've accomplished a lot. Um, I guess what advice would you kind of give to those younger photographers listening um, in, in this business these days? As you know, it's really competitive and it's constantly changing. Um, what do you think it is uh, people need to do to stick out from the pack and keep getting hired, do you think? Well, I mean, I think, again, I can only speak for me and at the at the point I'm at and the age I'm at and everything. And I know it's different how someone would start. But what what's worked for me, though, is always trying to turn a corner you know it's like you know i i see so many photographers who you know are doing one thing and then that might go out of fashion yep. or or whatever they do just kind of gets tired or you know or they just people get you know tired of you know if if you're just a demanding dick or whatever yeah. so i think i think you know the idea is always just like you know what's worked for me is whatever i shoot i try to think of the next shoot after that and the shoot after that mm-hmm. so it's like a chess game it's like I'm going to try this on this small editorial because someone over here will have the money to really do it. And then this person, you know, so, so I just try to try to consider not just like this one, the client I'm working for, but every client and everybody seeing it to try to, you know, bring it to the next level. And it, and it's, and like I said earlier with like, you know, even when I'm shooting, let's say for a, like a magazine that maybe doesn't have, or, or a client doesn't have the prestige, mm-hmm. I want to go, you know what? this shot has to be good enough to run in this type of magazine or that. So you should always like aim for, you know, your goals on what you're shooting for. You shouldn't just kind of like, yeah. you know, like one little, one little last story is like there was a photographer who, who, you know, uh, worked a lot with a stylist friend of mine years ago. And um, this story always sticks with me for longevity's sake is that, you know, they were working with a client that they were just like job after job after job, same, same shoot over and over again. And it came to the point where like that photographer was starting to edit himself before he shot the photo because he would be like, Oh yeah, they don't like that type of shot. They just want these shots or like, no, nah, I'm not going to go in tight for a portrait because they don't use portraits. They only want me to shoot full body or, Oh, they want to do this. So he would begin to edit himself. And then lo and behold, what happened was yep. a new team came in or somebody sort of like had a meeting and said, Oh, we need someone who shoots portraits, or we need someone who's going to bring this. And this person should have been doing that all along. Like you almost have to always show your client, like do what your client is asking for, mm-hmm. but then show them something that they, they either weren't thinking about or, or something else in your back pocket. So you yeah. can go, well, we did this, but what about this? Yeah. So I think that keeps you kind of fresh. And there's been plenty of times on shoots now where like same sort of deal, like, Oh no, no, we only need it this way. And I'm like, all right, but give me a second. I'm just getting a couple more things. Yeah. And we shoot it, and sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, that's cool. I'm glad we shot that." You know, so for sure, I would say always just like aim for more. Yeah, definitely. It's like if you're shooting for a newspaper, if you're shooting for a wedding client, or if you're shooting some big campaign for Nike. At the end of the day, your name's attached to that photo, regardless of like whatever prestige it's on. So it's like, might as well just go full bore on all, on all of them, right? Exactly. Exactly. Just, just think of it as like a stepping stone to something else. So, yep. you know, uh, just, just, you know, do, do the best your ability on that particular project. Cause you never know. It might, it might get you another project that, you know, you're aiming for. No doubt. Well, Carlos can't thank you enough for taking the time. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Um, been a big fan of your work for years, so can't thank you enough. And, uh, for people listening, um, where's the best place for them to go check out your work? 
Um, I guess I would say, like, I'm terrible at the Instagram. I only started that a couple of years ago, but, yeah. like, you know, my website at carlosarau.com, um, you know, they can check it out there. And then as far as, like, you know, magazines and everything, I mean, it's, like, an occasional fun issue or, or stuff like that. But mostly you'll see you'll see the stuff with some some sports advertising agencies and everything. So, cool. um, But I, trend, I tend to kind of update the website. So uh, check it out there. All right. Well, thanks, Carlos. I'll link it. And thanks so much. Cool. Thanks, man. Talk Perfect. to you soon. Perfect. Later, Carlos. So there you have it. That was the Carlos Sarau interview. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Just want to take a second to uh, thank Carlos so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him. Uh, Like I said, I've been a big fan of his work for years. Uh, Just a really creative guy. Amazing portraiture and uh, directing work he does. So it was a real pleasure talking to him. Um, Definitely go check out more of Carlos' work at his website, uh, carlosarau.com, as well as his Instagram, carlos underscore sarau. I'll link it in the description. You guys can go check it out. Um, Lots of amazing work up there. Uh, Can't thank him enough. Um, So I hope you guys enjoyed it. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, as well as my website, alexgagnephoto.com, and on my Instagram, at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.